Good morning. Let's turn our Bibles together to Paul's letter to the Romans. As we continue uh, our series on Engage Till He Comes. And as Pastor D mentioned a few moments ago, today we're looking at uh, the call to pray for missions, missionaries. So today we'll be looking at Romans 15, verses 30 through 33. Romans 15, verses 30 through 33. Paul writes this in God's Word. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that... By God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's read this together. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given to us, Father, Lord, the opportunity we have to come together as your people as your family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, thank you for that, the great blessings that we share because of him and, and the fellowship we share with one another. We thank you for your words, and we thank you, Lord, that you've given us your spirit. Lord, it's his word, and we need him to help us. We need him, Lord, to fill us again. We need him, Lord, to renew our minds so that we can understand your word. And Lord, not that we would just understand it, but Lord, that he would also move in our hearts and our affections, Lord, that we would be moved by him to love you and to love others. Father, we thank you that your word uh, has the power to make us more like Christ. And so we ask, Lord, meet us now in our struggles uh, and our weaknesses. Lord, my weakness helped me to be able to explain your word. Lord, and the variety of things that we face today that are uh, deeply embedded in our hearts and minds, we're grateful that you're concerned about those things as well. So, Lord, speak to us in those areas, in the area of prayer. Lord, do these things, we pray, for your name's sake. And, Lord, it's also our prayers to think about the gospel going forth, that if there's anyone here today who does not know you, or that today... That would be different, Lord, that your spirit would draw them to Christ. They would see their need for him and be drawn to him. And so, Lord, above all, our great prayer is that you would be glorified and cherished. And so, Lord, we commit this to you expectantly in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we come to one of those passages in the New Testament where one of the writers will draw on language that was used often in athletics. Sometimes we'll read just about a, a word that was used. Sometimes we'll actually see a, a sports metaphor that's used to encourage the audience to persevere or talk about the Christian life. I think it reminds us that the apostles, while they were inspired by the Spirit to write uh, this important part of the Bible, I think it shows us, too, that they were interested in athletics. They, they recognized how athletics brings people together. People can relate to it. They enjoy competition. 
I know one of the things I enjoy as a parent is telling my children about uh, famous games or athletes or events uh, that made a big impact on me when I was growing up, and I've enjoyed showing them clips uh, from monumental games. I've also shown them uh, some footage that I, I saw most Saturday afternoons. Many of you will remember it. ABC used to show this program called The Wide World of Sports. You can uh, look it up on YouTube if you're not familiar with it, but I showed my kids that beginning when you're getting this uh, barrage of different athletic events and the announcer talks about the thrill of victory. And there's that guy skiing coming down the hill and he says, and the agony of defeat. And that skier wipes out. Not only did he lose, but he was humiliated. It was agonizing on multiple levels for that guy. But today, and today we're looking at a word uh, that Paul uses, that he uses in uh, athletic metaphors elsewhere. It's the word we get, our English word for agony. And today we're not looking at the agony of defeat, we're looking at the agony of victory. God's victory. Uh, recently, U.S. Olympic hurdler Sydney McLaughlin uh, was talking about her faith in Christ and how uh, knowing that the Lord has a plan, that he's advancing, that helps her deal with all of life. She says that we can deal with whatever lies ahead because we know he has already won. And that's what Paul has been writing about here in Romans 15. You remember the verses that Pastor D led us through earlier? How Paul is recalling these passages in the Old Testament where God has always had this plan to reach the world in and through and for His Son. And as he recited those passages uh, to, to the audience here for us, we're reminded that plan is steadily moving forward. Christ has uh, triumphed at the cross and this plan will come to fruition. We're reminded earlier in this chapter how Paul talks about to ensure this plan will triumph in history. For Paul's part, he said that the Lord had worked in him through the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, to bring the Gentiles to faith. And so Paul knows that the Lord had this plan. He knows that he's at work in the proclamation of his word. There is victory to celebrate. And yet we're reminded that the Lord uses means to accomplish this great plan. Last week, Pastor D reminded us by way of John Piper, who would remind us by way of Scripture, that as Christians, we're either going in missions or we're sending people uh, to the field or we're disobedient. And we're reminded today that uh, all Christians are called to pray. Paul is writing these requests to the entire congregation. He's assuming that every Christian will join with him in, in praying. And so as we think about God advancing this plan for his glory, uh, John Piper says this, not only has God made the accomplishment of his purposes hang on the preaching of his word, that is, taking the gospel to the people's, but he has also made the success of that preaching hang on prayer. 
God's goal to be glorified will not succeed without the powerful proclamation of the gospel. And that gospel will not be proclaimed in power to all the nations. Here's our part. Without the prevailing, earnest, faith-filled prayers of God's people. And so here's Paul, writer of a large part of the New Testament, has been used mightily through signs and wonders and the proclamation of the word to, to bring the Gentiles to faith. And yet, he's asking for prayer. And if an apostle, a witness of the resurrected Jesus, is asking for prayer, how much more so should those um, who we support ask us to join with them in prayer as well? So we come to the wor- uh, back to his requests, and we think about this agony of victory that's ahead of us. We're reminded at the beginning that we pursue this agony because of the Lord. He says in verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. That, that phrase, uh, strive together, that's the word we get for agony. I think the NIV says, join me in my struggle. And he's saying, I want you to pursue this agonizing endeavor with me. And before he gets in the specifics, he reminds them of the basis in which he makes that appeal. And he bases that on the Lord, the ruler we saw of the Gentiles. Last season, we enjoyed the celebration of the Braves winning the World Series. And as you listen to the interviews after the game with the players... One of the things that was a recurring theme was that they wanted to win this game for Snit, for their manager, Brian Snitker, a guy who had labored in the Brave system for 40 years in a variety of roles, came to manage the Braves in his 60s, and, and they wanted to win for him. Sure, they wanted individually to, to pursue that, and uh, it was a tremendous milestone, but they really wanted to do it for him. When uh, he had been managing the Braves just for a couple of years, in 2018, uh, the Braves were playing the Marlins. There was some bad blood between the two teams. First pitch of the game, Ron Acuna is at the plate for the Braves. He got drilled in the elbow by the Marlins starting pitcher. Before anything else could happen, out from the dugout, 60-something, Brian Snitker, uh, a little on the portly side, red-faced and yelling and headed straight for the pitcher's mound. For anybody could even leave the dugout. He was the guy. He had to be held back by other players and coaches. And so looking back on that event, um, Bill Shanks, he's a longtime Atlanta radio host, he says this. People ask, why would a player run through a wall for a manager? And he pointed to that incident. He says, that's why. Jeff Francoeur uh, said that Snitker's uh, uh, episode on that particular occasion, but just the way he cares for his player, players. He said he's able to bridge the gap, whether it's an age gap, a cultural or language gap. 
he can fill that gap because players knows, know that he loves them and he has their back. He's going to fight for them. So Chipper Jones says, he's loved beyond belief by generations of players. So there's that common denominator, regardless of age or background, ethnicity. People are drawn to Brian Snicker. They want to pursue whatever it is, whatever the cost will be for them, to see him celebrate it. For people to know the reality of who he is. And that's Paul's burden here. He appeals to the one who has shown us beyond measure that he cares for us. He's fighting for us. He is deeply concerned for us. He has done everything to show that love for us. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we we pursue agony in prayer because of the Lord. Early in the chapter, Paul reminds us that During his earthly life, Jesus was insulted. He was a servant in his lifetime. He quotes from passages that remind us that that Christ suffered and died for our sins. And and so it's that person, it's Jesus first and foremost, not Paul. It's let's pray because of Jesus. This is his mission. Yes, it's agonizing. But it's it's Jesus. And we're reminded also we're not in this alone as we pursue this agony because of the Lord. That we're fueled by the love of the Spirit, he says in verse 30. Earlier in Romans, uh, Paul tells us that the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God's love fuels us, motivates us, helps us endure to persevere in this agony because of the Lord. Sure, we're made in God's image and we care about people, but the Holy Spirit supernaturally moves us beyond that to agonizing in prayer and seeking the Lord and praying fervently together as God's people for the mission to go forward. Paul tells us in Romans that we've been given the Spirit as a reminder that we belong to the Lord. And and because of that, as he renews our minds, our minds are set on the things that the Spirit values. This is something that Paul indicates here, that the Spirit values. That we pursue agony, the agony of victory, because of the Lord. So we pursue agony and prayer first and foremost because of the Lord. But secondly, we also pursue this agony of victory because we're family. Paul has given us uh, some very specific issues that he was going through as he was anticipating taking this offering to the believers there in Jerusalem who were going through difficult times economically. He was taking an offering that had been given by other churches that he had served and he was taking that to them but he was also concerned that he might not be able to get that um, relief to them because he knew there were unbelievers in Jerusalem that wanted him dead and so it's a it's a pressing situation for him he's concerned about it 
Yes, he knows God's in control. He talks about coming to you if it's God's will. He knows that God is in control of history. But he also knows that God answers prayer and he carries out his plan in history. And so he reminds us that we pursue this agony because of the Lord, but we're also family. He says in verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers, and by implication, sisters, to agonize with me in prayer. We're in this together as a family. One of the clips I've shown my kids is from the 1992 Olympics. Remember the Summer Olympics were in Barcelona that year, and uh, in the 400-meter run, uh, England's Derek Redmond was considered to be uh, the favorite by far. You remember that, that footage of him? He was doing well, very demanding um, event, and then you remember he fell to the ground in agony. His hamstring had snapped. It was such a, a, a violent event, he could hear it. He didn't just feel it, he heard it snap. And you remember that heartbreaking moment as he was struggling to make sense of it all, and he's, he's weeping, trying just to stand up straight. And you remember not long after that, uh, as he's pushing away those that wanted to put him on a stretcher, his father Jim had made it down from the stands, past the security guards, onto the track, and uh, his father, in retrospect, says this. I saw my son having a problem, and it was my duty to help. I actually went on the track to try to stop him inflicting further damage to himself. But it was Derek's idea to help him. He asked me to help him get back in the lane. And so I offered him a shoulder to lean on. Notice his instinct was, this is my family. And so initially he was thinking, I'm going to get him out of this danger zone. But as he realized more and more what was on the heart of Derek, he said, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do together. I'm going to agonize with you. And that's what Paul's calling us to do. He had a unique experience that only he could carry out, and yet he was asking other Christians to join him. Just as Derek Redmond had individually trained and gone through all this agonizing um, time of preparation, while his father was there with him to support him and love him and care for him, still there was a, a part of that that was unique to Derek. But the fact is, Paul and the Redmonds remind us that we're in life together because we're family. And so we care about each other. So we think about pursuing, praying, and agony for missions. Remind us, we look over this list on the back that this is our family. Some of the folks on the back, they are literally flesh and blood family to folks in our congregation. Some of their family is still here with us. But as we think about the mission conference, and we hear missionaries time and time again say, you know, when I come to CNPC, it's like coming back to my home church. By God's grace, we've been able to welcome them and to love them. And yet we can't just rest on our laurels that that's been the past. We want to continue to welcome, particularly as we think about new missionaries that we've recently picked up. But when they share with us, they will oftentimes reference us to the point of when we know that you're praying with us, 
That's a tremendous encouragement to us. Now, as you go on to read the last chapter of Romans, you'll know that Paul uh, names a lot of people that he did know in Rome. But as has been pointed out, most of the people there in Rome, he didn't know. And yet, he can feel comfortable making this request because he knows at the end of the day, the Lord and we're family. And so he can make this appeal to, to join with him in agonizing and pursuing this agony of victory. We've talked about John Piper uh, the last couple of weeks, and, and he has a tremendous, um, tremendous insight about prayer and missions. And the thing that he has really helped me with is he has shown us what the Westminster Shorter Catechism also teaches at the very outset, that God is concerned for our joy. You know, one of the, the chief end that we face as Christians is to glorify God and to enjoy Him. When I was growing up, I used to think that my joy in following Christ were polarized pursuits. But Piper says, no, ultimate joy is bound up in Christ. As we sing, let the nations be glad. That's from one of the Psalms that actually commands the nations to be glad. And that leads us to our final thought. So think about pursuing this agony of prayer because of the Lord. And we're also pursuing it because this is our family. We're also pursuing it, this agony, because of the great celebration that awaits us. He says in verse 32 that the... The end result here, after having gone to Jerusalem and delivering an offering and being delivered from unbelievers, he says, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. So he's anticipating finally coming to Rome and celebrating and experiencing true lasting joy. Yes, there's an agony for the moment and striving together in prayer about these concerning requests. But Paul sees ultimately one of the goals they get to enjoy is they get to celebrate what God has done and experience true joy and fellowship together. One of the things that we enjoy as a family is is going to our uh, children's sporting events. And this year, our our son, Andrew, he's playing again in our church league. And for various reasons, at the outset, he was thinking, this is not going to be a good season. I don't think we're going to do so well. And so we've tried to talk to him about, you know, perspective on this and sanctification and and leadership by example and things like that. But we knew going into some of this, it it would be a challenge for him to maintain some of that perspective. And so recently, um, their team won a game down at the buzzer. It, it was a nail-biter. It started to get ugly at the end. It started to get physical at the end. And, and our hearts were pumping. We were, we were exhilarated as parents watching this event. We had prayed for him before the game, and we had tried to encourage him again about perspective. And we were on our feet before the buzzer uh, you know, went off. We were thrilled watching his team win there at the, in the final seconds of the game. And so that week is our turn to bring the post-game refreshments. And it was such a joy to be able to bring that to his team. 
and celebrate together and to see their faces after this amazing win. It was so encouraging, and we celebrated as families and as a team. And, and Paul says, when we see God's answer to prayer in the realm of missions, that's, that's great cause for us to celebrate. Many of you know uh, Brian and Megan Moore. They grew up in the church. Uh, their parents are still with us. They, their wonderful children have been such a blessing to get to know. And so they're home now uh, from MTW Berlin. They've been home on their home mission assignment. And one of the great joys for me personally uh, with that situation is that Brian's been able to join our Wednesday night uh, men's group. And so that's been great because a lot of people uh, in our group didn't know Brian. They weren't here when he was uh, last a member of our church and on staff. So they've enjoyed learning from him about what it's like to serve on the mission field. And so even though he's here, we still pray about their family and needs and issues they're looking at facing when they go back. And, and so recently he shared with us a, a concern, a face and going back. And humanly speaking, it seemed pretty bleak. And we were amazed at God's providence in the way that clearly he opened the door and provided for the Moors there in Germany while they're, they're here. And so we were able to, together in Brian's presence, to rejoice with him and celebrate with him in this amazing display of God's providence and, and answering these prayers for us. And so you'll get to enjoy and experience that at the mission conference. And when you hear about how God has answered prayer. And, and perhaps in some cases you'll be able to rekindle old friendships as you have been praying specifically for some of these missionaries. But, you know, in the situation of Paul going to Rome or the Moors being with us in person, many times we're not in person to celebrate. That's, that's a great blessing to be able to have the Moors here with us for this time. But, you know, we read Paul's letters elsewhere. He talks about personally rejoicing in prison when he hears about the growth and the concern of other churches he's helped to plant. And that's largely the celebration that we're pursuing in our context. We're, we're celebrating independently of each other through the, across the miles. But nevertheless, we are pursuing this agony because of the great joy we have in the Lord together to celebrate his goodness together. And as we see him answer across the miles, that encourages us to pray more fervently for things that are going on here as well. So, as Dee mentioned earlier, doing this, pursuing this, it is overwhelming. We'll be the first to tell you, as staff or the mission team, it's overwhelming when you think about just the sheer number of the missionary units that we support. And, and I absolutely resonate with what he advised you earlier. Some of you uh, may be retired. Maybe you're in the season of life where you can devote a lot of time praying to more missionaries than you would have been able to when you were working. And that, that's a, a challenge, an encouragement to consider. But as you, I encourage you, look, let's look at the back of our, our worship guide together. And so you'll see about halfway down that, that heading supported missions. And, and it's categorized by region. We've got uh, the section unreached peoples. 
And then, uh, as Dee also mentioned, we, down towards the bottom in the U.S., we have church planners, campus ministry. I know for me, uh, I came to faith while I was in college, and so campus ministry was a tremendous tool the Lord used in my life to, to grow me. And so if that's your uh, background as well, start there. We typically have uh, folks that, that minister on our campus that will come to the mission conference. Seek them out. Get to know them, and as Dee said, sign up just for their newsletter. Maybe as you look over this list, you see a part of the world where that's your lineage or your spouse's lineage, or it's an area you've been interested in historically for some event or, or person. Start there. Start where your interests are, your natural connections are. Start there. And so uh, if that missionary or missionaries that you're interested in aren't going to be here this year, you can't sign up in person, let one of us know and we'll get you their email address. But again, Paul is assuming that everyone that read Romans when they received it, they heard it, that everyone would join him. That's just the Christian life. And so, yes, it is agonizing when we think about some of these daunting prayer requests that that come our way and, and the time involved. But it's the agony of victory. The Lord is advancing his plan that which he gets glorified more and more as he answers the prayers of his people. So seek out the Moors while they're here, if you've not met them. Seek out the Tenels as they're looking to raise support to go to Poland. But let's join together for the Lord as his family and for our joy in this great agony of victory that we've been called to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the blessing of the gospel coming to us. Lord, it has reached us just as you planned. You have planned to reach the peoples for our joy in Christ. And Lord, thank you that you reached us. Lord, renew our joy in that great blessing it is to know that we have been redeemed and belong to you. Lord, we know that you could reach the peoples apart from us. But Lord, you delight to use us not just in going and sending, but, Lord, in praying. And so, Lord, help us. It is overwhelming. It is agonizing at times. And, and Lord, give us clarity of thought about how to, to best go about this. Show us, Lord, in particular, who you would have us to connect with. And, Lord, use our prayers to bring glory to yourself as you advance your great and glorious gospels. Lord, help us, we pray. Thank you for using us, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.